Everything else in this world, every other knowledge that I have, I'm glad that I know I'm saved. I don't have to wait till I die to discover which way I'm heading, but I know this morning in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Would you sing that chorus? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. I thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation. So full and free, how I thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. I thank you, Lord, for giving to me. Thy great salvation, so full and free. Amen. Praise God. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. <clears throat> we'll be reading several portions from the book of Deuteronomy the fourth book of the Old Testament. The fourth chapter. <clears throat> I've sung too much this morning, so I hope... Uh, Everything holds up here till we're through. I just can't uh, not sing. And those good songs and choruses that were uh, were available this morning, I could feel uh, hoarseness when I woke up and I thought, well, I just won't sing so much during song service. But it doesn't work. When you have a song in your heart, it has to come out. And I'm glad for the song that he's put in my heart and soul. Before we read the scripture, I'd like to give you some historical quotations. First of all, from the Mayflower Compact, <clears throat> a document that begins with the words, In the name of God. And I quote, We whose names are undersigned, underwritten, have undertaken for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith a voyage to plant the first colony here in the northern parts of Virginia, do by these present solemnly and mutually in the presence of God and of one another covenant and combine ourselves together in a civic body politic. And ten, year, ten years later, in 1630, the New England Federation Compact, and I quote, 
we all have come into these parts of America with one and the same end, namely the advancement of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Benjamin Franklin, who is thought to be one of the most outstanding minds of our history, he was famous, you recall, for the quotation, United we stand, divided we fall. Another quotation in the 17th century, near the end of his life, during a constitutional convention, I quote, I have lived for a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a spell cannot fall to the ground without his noting, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. And what is worse, mankind may hereafter, from this unfortunate instance, despair establishing government by human wisdom and leave it to chance to war and conquest. I therefore beg you to, to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessing on our deliberation be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to our business. I am under no illusions as to our forefathers. I don't know enough about them. But I do glean from these quotes encouragement and information regarding their attitude toward God in the early foundations of this nation that we're celebrating the birth of this morning. And I think it's good for us to be reminded and to look back on our origin. I believe the origin of things is like the roots of a tree. And the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the people do? We need to maintain the strength of our foundations if the building is going to stand. That's the essence of what Jesus was talking about in that parable, that everything hinges upon the kind of foundation and the maintenance of that foundation of the building. So I reminded us of those quotes, and I want us to think in terms of that for a while this morning as you read with me from the ninth verse of the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy. This book is filled with that word, remember. It's just like a bell that keeps on ringing and ringing and ringing through the chapters uh, of Deuteronomy. <clears throat> this is Moses' farewell message. He's about to be succeeded by a man by the name of Joshua. He has brought them now through 40 years of wilderness experience and uh, approaching the promised land, the land of Palestine that God said he would give to them forever. And he has some final instructions, some final burden on his heart to convey 
to this infant nation, really, they as of yet really never had a permanent home, and uh, he had led them from campsite to campsite, and now is ministering to them a final message. And it is chapter after chapter, and he repeats himself so often. I trust not to unnecessarily repeat myself this morning, but I do want to call to your attention the repetition uh, of Moses in his message to them. Verse 9 of chapter 4. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Lest thou forget, verse 23, take heed to yourselves lest you forget the covenants of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God has forgiven, forbidden thee. He's saying, remember the things that you have seen. Don't forget where you've been brought from. Roll back the curtain of memory now and then and let the Lord show you over again where you used to be, where he has brought you from and what he's going to bring you into. Don't forget the covenants of God, the promises that the Lord has made to Abraham and Isaac, to Jacob and to you. All right, turn with me then to chapter 6. The fourth verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I have commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house and on the gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto the fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou did not build, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which you dig not, and vineyards and olive trees which you planted not, when thou shalt have eaten and art full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from house of bondage. Notice the extent to which he said, I want you to go so you would not forget the Lord. I want you to be much in conversation about God when you're around the house. Don't be ashamed to talk about the Bible and talk about the scriptures or share the word of God and the 
the heritage of God with your children. Talk freely. When you sit down around the table, when you are up walking around, make it a practice to be talking about the Lord. Talk about the things of God. He said, I want you to bind them around your hand. In those days, they had very few written scriptures, or even written prophecies, and only usually once a year they would have them read to them uh, as they would attend the, the feast of the Passover or other feasts. So they were instructed to take a particularly choice scripture and bind it around their arm. And this is where the phylacteries came from, that Jesus didn't condemn the Pharisees for wearing them. He just condemned them for being hypocritical about it, wearing scriptures around their arms and not doing anything about what they said. It's one thing to be able to memorize the scripture and have it all stored up in our minds and have them hanging up in plaques on our homes, but if we're not honoring God, it really isn't proving very beneficial. And that's what Jesus condemned. But he said through Moses here, uh, Bind them to your hand so that every time you would do something with your hands, you're reminded of the word of God. And he said it wouldn't hurt to have something there across the top of your forehead. Let it be written on your face so that anyone looking at you would be reminded about the Lord and the commandments of the Lord. Put them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates so that every time you come in and go out, you're reminded of, of God and the things of God and anyone coming to visit you would also be reminded of, of God and his word, his covenant, his commandment. Why? Because there would be such a tremendous uh, need to be reminded. He said, lest when you come into the land of Canaan, a land that had been inhabited by all the ites, you recall, and they were driven from their cities, so Israel simply moved in to homes that were already built, vineyards that were already planted into situations that were already flourishing that they had nothing to do with. A time of fulfillment and blessing. A time of a nation coming of age and, and moving into a situation where now they had permanent residence. They were no longer a transient uh, herd of almost gypsy-like people that were moving every time the cloud moved, but now they were given specific parcels of ground. Each tribe was assigned a specific area to inhabit, and they had already houses built for them, and farms that were flourishing, and vineyards and so forth. God simply provided them uh, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he said then, when you are have eaten and art full, beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. There is the real danger of once blessing has been experienced to enjoy the blessing and forget the blesser. And so this was the burden of Moses' heart. Chapter 8, verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou 
one is keep his commandments or no he said he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and then he fed you with manna which thou knewest not or didn't know what it was and the very word manna means what is it and uh, chastened you as a, a father would chasten his son verse 6 therefore thou shalt keep the commandment of the Lord the Lord thy God to walk in his way and fear him for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land a land of brooks of waters fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates a land of olive oil and honey a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness and thou shalt not lack anything in it a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass when thou hast eaten and art full there's that repetition again then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee can you see automatically a parallel between what God was providing for Israel and what you and I are enjoying in America this morning a land of plenty a land of eating bread without scarceness brother Ward has prayed this morning is that God you've given us more than we need and that's true we could get along with a whole lot less but God has been generous in his blessing upon us as a people and uh, verse 10 let me read it again when thou hast eaten and art full then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God hallelujah I think the Lord's pleased with our praise this morning and with our consciousness and awareness that nothing has come because of our greatness but has come because of his grace every blessing you and I receive is because of grace it's not because we have been perfect or sinless or so much better than anyone else but God in his grace has been generous in his blessing to us we are to bless the Lord by God for the goodness and the good land which he has given thee if the warning was good for them as good for us this morning beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt in them and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply thy silver and gold multiply and all that thou hast is multiplied that thy heart be lifted up and here he's repeating himself again and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage and repeats more of the same thing verse 18 but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God for it is he that had that giveth thee power to get wealth it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth and he that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day and I underline this and it shall be if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish as the nations 
which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of your God. Chapter 9, verse 7, he said, Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord in to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt till ye came unto this place ye have been rebellious against the Lord and he said when you provoked the Lord to wrath then God's judgment came and destroyed some of you that many times to repeat a phrase or a thought simply serves to emphasize and re-emphasize the burden that was on Moses' heart that this infant nation not forget their origin, not forget where they had come from, not forget the experience that God had brought them through and the provisions that God had made, not to forget the covenants and commandments that God had laid down before them to keep and the blessings that he was going to bring them into that they had absolutely nothing to do with. But God had provided them. And he knew the danger that when blessings of this nature would abound, that they would be caught up with all of those things to the neglect and forget of the Lord Jesus or of God. I want you to turn with me now to Hosea. Later on, about halfway through the Old Testament, the 8th chapter and the 14th verse. Hosea, the 8th chapter and the 14th verse. This man experienced tremendous difficulties in receiving his message from the Lord. And with great compassion, these words were given in tears, but yet with very much authority because God had given him the word. For Israel hath forgotten his maker. The very thing that Moses warned against and repeated and preached and preached and preached and preached is the very thing that happened to Israel. The very thing that he said to be careful about, the very thing that he said to be cautious about, <clears throat> just several hundred years, perhaps their bicentennial, they had forgotten God. For Israel hath forgotten his maker just several hundred years from Mo Moses, and hath built temples, fenced cities, but I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour his palaces thereof, God's judgment and sentence was passed upon Israel because they had forgotten God, they had left serving him as the one true God, and had built themselves idols like other nations, and they, they had totally rejected his authority and his worship. God said, I will send judgment upon your nation. I think if there's anything that the Lord wants to say to us this morning is the fact that David in his psalm said that the wicked shall be turned into hell and every nation that forgets God shall perish. 
And we love our country. We want to see God's continued blessing to be upon us. But in the midst of all of God's blessing, we better remember the Lord. And our hearts need to be fastened to him. The judgment God pronounced upon Israel in this particular moment was a sentence hoping that they would repent and turn from the direction they were going. Does anyone know what it means to forget God? Does it mean that all thought and remembrance is, is in oblivion and you're not thinking about the Lord? There's another translation of this that I think is a better one and I want to substitute for everything we've said. The nation that misplaces God will perish. Now, if you forget something, it's totally gone from your mind. Uh, it's something that perhaps was once very real and very vivid in your thinking, but right now, it's as far from you as anything could possibly be. Or if you misplace something, you, you know that it exists. And it's very much perhaps a part of your thinking, but uh, it's just not being used at the particular present moment. Now, my wife said to me, you ought to be able to really preach with authority about this because I'm the best misplacer of anyone yet. The reason things get misplaced is because they're out of their place. And she has been blessed with an organized mind and everything has its place. Uh, it doesn't matter down to whatever detail. And when she comes into my office and begins to renovate things, uh, she's not satisfied till everything finds a particular place. When we don't know where things are, when they're misplaced, it's usually because they're not where they should be. What is God's place? First, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the blessings will be added. But when God isn't in his rightful place, you know, we know that these things exist. We know we don't ever assume or would be presumptuous enough to say to a person in America today that they... They uh, don't believe in God. They do. And perhaps even go to church. But if God isn't in his rightful place, he's forgotten. He's misplaced. He's mislaid. God deserves his rightful place, and that's at the center of our life. God deserves the rightful place in our nation. That's the rightful place, the first place. I uh, am very conscious of uh, current events and things that are happening and there is a, a real need today for something to look to and something to cling to, a point of reference that we can turn, get a good grip. When the Lord is not in his rightful place, everything else seems to become all disheveled and comes apart. Jesus Christ is the great organizer. I appreciate the universe, everything, 
continues in its place because God is at the center of it. He sustains and upholds the entire thing by the word of his power. He is the center of all the universe. And if we're going to restore order in our lives as individuals and in our nation, we need God at the very center of it. We need to revolve our lives around him. And perhaps there are those that are here this morning that feel as though life is without meaning and without purpose. And you go through the motions of life. You've tried all the routine things and all the prescribed things that are supposed to make you happy. And you haven't found that contentment and rest and peace that you're looking for. I can recommend where it is this morning. It's in putting God first in your life and receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your heart. And God will organize your life and give it a purpose and a meaning. It's what you're looking for. Jesus Christ is what you're looking for. He's the answer to us as an individual. We need to put him first. And I think perhaps the reason that it's happened in America is the same reason it happened in Israel. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And he said, be careful, beware when you have eaten and are full. That's the time that we're most susceptible to putting God somewhere else in our life. We're most susceptible to putting God somewhere else other than first in our life. But I, I can't watch TV or read the paper without being very aware that people are discontented with just the material success of life. And I mentioned this, I don't know if it was on a Sunday or on a Thursday of a, of a special that I watched on television where people are really into meditation, uh, people with tremendous skills and mental ability, uh, engineers and uh, real estate people, and they, were, they have just laid all of this aside to, to delve deeply into meditation, to try to find meaning and purpose beyond all of this. But I recommend this morning the Lord Jesus Christ as the answer to all of the emptiness and lack of fulfillment. He is the answer. Therefore, beware when you have eaten and are full. That's the time that we're most susceptible to putting God somewhere else in our life. We're most susceptible to putting God somewhere else other than first in our life. But I... I can't watch TV or read the paper without being very aware that people are discontented with just the material success of life. And I mentioned this, I don't know if it was on a Sunday or on a Thursday of a, of a special that I watched on television where people are really into meditation, uh, people with tremendous skills and mental ability, uh, engineers and uh, real estate people and they were they have just laid all of this aside to to delve deeply into meditation to try to find meaning and purpose beyond all of this but i recommend this morning the lord jesus christ as the answer to all of the emptiness and lack of fulfillment he is the answer you won't find it in meditation. You won't find it in, in group therapy. You'll find it in the Word of God and in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's 
so many things wrong with America today. Without oversimplifying too much, I think what we need is not a greater political surge to kill communism. I think we need a greater surge to put Jesus back on the throne of our heart and lives. And I think it has to start in the, in the lives and the minds and hearts of Christian people who are spirit-filled, who have put Jesus Christ as Lord upon the throne of their life and keep him in his place, in his rightful place, on the throne. Hallelujah. Isn't he the king? Or is that just for songs we sing? He's the ruler. He is to dominate our lives. And we are to be the subject of the Lord. And to be reminded. Keep God first. If he isn't, everything else goes to pieces. Hallelujah. Now this text here says, Israel hath forgotten God, and at the same time buildeth temples, and Judah multiplies fenced cities. At the very moment when they were away from God, church construction was the order of the day. It wasn't that they had left off being religious. It was that they left off serving God. At the very point when, when God was forgotten or God was misplaced or pushed into the background, they were actively constructing more buildings of worship. And it's not more religion that we need. It's putting God first and ordering our lives around him and letting him be what he's supposed to be. And that's our God our Lord and our God. In the midst of this, you can see a tremendous insecurity as they multiplied fenced cities and more defenses, more defenses, more defenses. It says to me there was fear, all kinds of fear and insecurity because of the very first sentence, in the forgetting of God, they had lost their first line of defense and their greatest defense, which is God. For the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. Aren't you glad for the defense of the Lord? The fact that when we put him where he ought to be, he surrounds us with a hedge, and Satan cannot penetrate that hedge without God's permission. But when we forget God, it affects our nervous system, it affects our security system, and they multiplied not only the temples of worship, but fenced cities and invited the judgment of God upon their life. I don't want to see America judged. There are a lot of sermons preached and a lot of ministers, radio ministers, TV, that warn us that God will keep his word. But if we'll pray, and we began something last night that I think is one of the greatest things we've ever done. As 11 men knelt around this front and for an hour we simply lifted our hearts in prayer to God. The Bible says, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. God is not talking to 
the masses of America this morning. He's simply talking to you and I as an individual. Our homes, our church. Beware when God blesses that you push him back somewhere and forget him, neglect him, misplace him. I found that when I need something is when I start looking for it. When I need something is when I start looking for it. It's when I need to go out that I start searching for the car keys and for my wallet and for whatever else. Where did I put it? On top of the refrigerator or somewhere else. Perhaps you're here this morning and you need something. That's when you start looking for God. Looking around for what you've misplaced. He's the answer. He's what you need. Amen? God is what we need. Father, I pray your divine blessing and direction upon us. Simply, Lord, that you've said to us today what Moses said over and over and over to Israel. Lest you forget. Lest you forget God. When you have eaten and are full, when you come into these houses and vineyards and all of the blessings, lest you forget. Oh God, I pray that you would help us this morning on this special day.